Good morning. <laughs> Great to have everyone joining me today. Whether you're joining us in our studio audience or, or across the United States, it's wonderful to have you here today as we launch into another New Church Live service. And today we're starting with Easter, and it's, it's, a, it's a really fascinating season to, to look at. And, and it's one we come back to again and again. And I, I was thinking today, uh, you know, remember these things? Flip phones, remember those back now? Doesn't that look ancient, right? And I, I don't know, maybe how old is this? 15, 16 years old, maybe? And it just, it just appears ancient. And it's interesting because we can pick up something like that and think that's so old, but then we look at the Easter story, which is thousands of years old, and it feels every bit as fresh every year as we step into it. So that's my invitation to you, is to join me in taking a look at the Easter story over the next few weeks. Again, this this real, this pivot of the whole, the whole Christian calendar is Easter. Not Christmas, but Easter. So wonderful to have you here today. So as I get started on this journey, I, I want to talk about a, a wonderful experience. I had this, this past, uh, past few days, you know, I, I took a retreat. A retreat is something that's great to do. If you ever get an opportunity, it's where you just go away. You go away with some friends and you go away just for a little bit of time. And, and what you do when you go away for a little bit of time is you just get a chance to sort of recollect. And it's, it's, it's literally like a retreat. It's a retreat from normal life. And you just kind of hang out, you hang out with friends, you talk about big questions, etc. And one of the questions we looked at was this. It was, what are the five most significant transformative moments in your life? You could just think of that for yourself. What are the five? And the way they got us to think of those five was, was they had uh, pieces of paper out on the floor and they were in five-year increments. And all of us took a turn standing on, on an event, like at age five, this is what happened. And then some people would skip ahead. And then age 20, this is what would happen. And age 30, this is what would happen. And, and it was fascinating, folks, just fascinating, because all these stories, you know, no matter how bright and shiny the cover, do you think some of these stories were a little hard? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, not everything was bright and shiny. And life is good. That great paradox, right? Not everything is bright and shiny and life is good. I think what, what that shows is, is again, that's sort of the, the Easter story, which, which we tend to extend for a long time. But we all go through Easter and it creates what one author called bright sadness. And I want to read you a quote about that. It's a quote that I just love on this topic of what bright sadness is. As we make the first step into the bright sadness of Lent, and Lent is the period leading up to Easter, we see far, far away the destination. It is the joy of Easter. Again, joy, grief, and joy going together here. It is the entrance into God's kingdom. It is the vision, the foretaste of each Easter that makes Lent sadness bright and our Lenten effort a spiritual spring. The night, may be, the night may be dark and long, and probably some of us are sitting in that long, dark night right now. But along the way, a mysterious, and this, this, listen to this language, beautiful language here. But along the way, a mysterious and radiant dawn seems to shine on the horizon. That idea of this, 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 this mysterious dawn that we just get a sense of in our lives. We can be in those dark times. But hopefully, hopefully, you also have a sense of that there's something on the horizon. And, and that, that, folks, it's not always necessarily a good feeling, like, hooray, there's a horizon. For me, personally, I haven't experienced it as an ache. You know, oh, there's, there's something there, and, and how do we reach it? 
and even the ache, feel that as evidence of God. Feel that as something that's actually pulling you forward. God speaks to us in the horizons he puts before us. We say that all the time. Nothing's more true in terms of a season than Easter when we experience that as well. What, what the promise is here, folks, and it's, it's an amazing promise that, that God gives us. Listen to this beautiful line from John chapter 16. You will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. In other words, you'll have sadness and it'll feel like the world just keeps going on, keeps churning away. You will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy and no one will take away your joy. That idea of that transition from, from, from grief to joy, that's what we're gonna be looking at a lot today. And, and it, it's this idea, folks, that we have all traveled through Easter. We've all traveled through it. If, if there was, if I was, if I was in a position where it's like, oh, Chuck, you gotta tell me one story that is exactly gonna somehow parallel my life, one Bible story, I'm only listening to one, I'd pick Easter. Because Easter's got it all. Easter is, is something we all go through, and I feel like we all go through it again and again. Again, God goes through it at this level. Jesus goes through it at this level. We're, we just mirror it in our own finite, almost incomparable way. But we can see these pieces, and somehow it makes sense. You know, this whole death, you know, that, that we experience death, and sometimes that's a physical death, sometimes that's a loved one, sometimes... That, that may be more of a spiritual death or that may be the death of a dream. We experience a death. We experience something that doesn't get talked about much, which is a long period of waiting following that. You know, we're just holding on. That's it. Where we're not trying to, 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 to cure suffering. We're just trying to endure it. And then there's this last part, this resurrection part. It's time where, where life is somehow born anew. But, but folks, and I'm going to say this a bunch of different ways, that resurrection part, it's different than when the journey starts. We're in a very different place than we were over here. So, so, so don't get tricked into somehow believing that, that, yeah, you know what, if we really follow this story, we'll go back, life will get back to, to whatever this was. It won't. It'll get to a place and it's a beautiful place. This is the paradox of it. This is the paradox of it I have no language for. The paradox of it is that this new place will have both grief and joy in it. That's the bright sadness part. And it's, it's a powerful place to be. Don't, don't think that isn't. I mean, people are very, watching human beings, human beings are very empowered when they're in that place. Because somehow there's, there's something about them in that place that just... It's, it's like they get life. They get life. And that's what we're hoping to do is, is, is to maybe over the course of this Easter season, try to hold both of those and hold it within, again, as the author said, these, these beautiful, mysterious horizons we know that are pulling us towards a joy. A joy that, as Jesus said, will be full. A joy that will be complete. You know, and again, that joy doesn't erase all the hard parts of life, but it sure does cast a very different life light on how we live. So today, if you haven't joined New Church Live before, what we do a lot of is we do a lot of texting. 
uh, in church. And we do a lot of uh, reaching out to our online audience. And, and again, most people, probably 90% of our audience joins us archived. And again, if you're listening to this later on, you are welcome to text me. I get text messages all the time from people who are watching at different times of the week, and, uh, or weeks, I should say. And, and, and the question this week is this, is this question, which I like a lot. What have you learned from grief? What have you learned from joy? If you were to think through that, okay, so, so I, I know like if I was stepping on my five-year increments, if I was to step on one, if you were to step on one that was really the one where, oh yeah, this is where grief somehow transformed my life, a, part, a, day, a day or a season of deep grieving. What did you learn there when you stepped on that place? What did you learn when you look back at it? As well as, where was, this, where was a place, again, on that, that continuum, where you really stepped into a time of great joy? And it may just have been fleeting, but, but you really knew joy in that moment. What did you learn there? I mean, I, I, I really want to learn from you on this. I, I wonder, I mean, I'm wondering, I was wondering up front today, what will people respond? Because I was wondering, do they end up somehow being similar? What we learn from grief and what we learn from joy? I don't know. I sure would love your help in figuring that out, just as, just as a thought for the day. So friends, I want to welcome everyone. Welcome you first off to the Easter season. And for today, welcome. Welcome to New Church Live. Myself up today, felt a warm light on my face. Everything I'm going through, I hope it will be over soon. What am I supposed to see in all this uncertainty? dark of night I'm looking for the path of light walking out of darkness walking out of darkness walking out of darkness into light Stumbling along the way the Struggles from day to day Confusion in my mind Of walking in this world so blind When will I regain my sight? Walking out of darkness Walking out of darkness I 
keep walking out of darkness into light. A clearer understanding is not too far away. I know where I'll be standing in the Beautiful song about walking out of walking out of darkness, and it, you know, the, the responses, guys. It's getting a little. It's, it's no. It's no high bar for me to get flumped these days. And uh, you know, I'm 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 reading these, and, and they're just they're so powerful. Some of the responses we've gotten from people all across the country, and and uh, it's just interesting, right? Because I'm not going to read the names, obviously. Uh, but I know, you know, ah, you know, like I know the journeys. Like I'm looking at these names, and just so you know, I, I know many of your journeys, and I know that this is not light knowledge. This is not something you just stumbled on. This is not something you read. This is not something you got on a podcast. This is something you who've responded have lived. Many of you lived in an incredibly hard way. So I want to honor that piece and just just listen to this bit about grief and joy, and then we're going to talk about how the Easter story addresses both. I've learned from grief that the struggle of letting go is so painful, yet I find immense joy when I finally see the light. Grief and joy, sometimes the exact same thing. As my mother-in-law died after seven years of Alzheimer's, I became her daughter in the fullest, and also her mother. She transformed and I did. Yeah. Nothing of this world was as real as this new birth. Natural things faded away. Years later, after walking through two and a half years of cancer and my sister leaving her disabled daughter, I again felt pain and joy. Her new life was so much better than this one, and together we looked forward to her heavenly marriage. Grief and working through it with 
has humility, openness, willingness to look inward with honesty. On the other side is a joy. Grief, life, life slows and is narrow and intense. Joy, life expands. That's a great way to differentiate there. In those moments of grief and joy, I understand what living in the moment means. Great grief means that I could now help the most precious people in my life through the hardest times with sincere compassion and understanding. Great joy means I will never be alone. Listen to that. Great joy means I will never be alone. What I learned from grief is it seems to be just around the corner and joy seems to be elusive in today's world, but I'm always looking for it. Amen to that, brother. Grief is part of life and you have to let it go and move on. Joy is always here if you let it in. And that's beautiful. Rob Bell talks about joy should become the bass note, sort of the bass guitar note of our lives, which I like that, that way of holding it. I think we learn who we really are, uh, who we really love, and who really loves us in both grief and joy. That's, we're going to get to that at the end. From grief, I learned how much I need God and the support of other people. From joy, I learned how wonderful it is to have God and other people in life. So that needing, needing God and other people to having other peop- God and other people. I like that a lot. I learned that both are brief. Try to bask in the joy and know the grief. At least the heavy of us will pass. And boy, there's somebody in here I know who needs to hear that. It will pass. It will pass. Both can also be recalled, so I try to be careful where my mind goes when I'm in thought. I've read that the worst grief is your own grief. I can't disagree. I can, I can see you can see joy in the little things. And that's, that's so big, you know, those little tiny pieces. To be present and actively enjoy the day and the people around you. That comes right back to that beautiful live in the moment comment. And this is another one from a, from, a pers- from a wonderful perspective. This too shall pass. That's that idea will pass. Grief. So hang on until it passes. Joy. Try to enjoy every second of it. So true. The one doesn't exist without the other. I'm sure there'll be some other ones coming in. Thank you, for, thank you folks, for that. That was, that was beautiful. And then let's, let's enter together into kind of this grief and joy dichotomy here. Uh, you know, that we see in the, in, the Easter, in the Easter story. Well, one of the ones that's interesting is Jesus is always telling his disciples, he's, he's always foreshadowing. He's saying, like, look, this is what's going to happen. Please remember, like, the, the Bible, when you look at the Bible en masse, again, don't think of it like a book. Think of it as a bunch of different books, each with their own narrative, own story. But there are some themes that go through all these books. And one of them is that it, it is a bunch of books about flawed heroes, I want to say that really clearly. A bunch of books about flawed heroes. And by the end of it, with Jesus, you realize he loves them all. It's not a book about the, the heroic. I mean, at any time we sort of hold faith as sort of this like, oh, it's all so heroic, it'll put you above it all, it'll help you to have superpowers that, you know, I don't know. Not how it works, folks. It's really a book about being a flawed hero. And, and what I hope when I say that is that, is, it, is that we can smile getting like, oh yeah, that, that, makes, that makes a lot of sense. You know, I, I, one of my favorite lines from a funeral that I went to was, was I had a grandmother who was extremely difficult and extremely loving. And the very first thing the pastor said in his eulogy for my grandmother, her name was Helena, was, well, we all knew Helena was a difficult woman. I said, hallelujah, he knew my grandma. 
There was beauty in that, and there's beauty in where we all get, yeah, we're flawed heroes. We're heroes and we're flawed. And, and Jesus doesn't condemn that. He actually rejoices in that in many ways. He actually holds it and, and allows that to be very present in life. I mean, folks, just look at this line here, right? Look at this line from John 16. A time is coming, and here he's talking to his 12 disciples. Again, these people have given up their lives to follow him. Think about that. A time will come when you will scatter. Scatter. And, and think of like running into a, into a pack, seeing a, seeing a dog running into a flock of geese and just watching them explode up into the air. That's the image I get. Like they're just scattering everywhere. You will leave me all alone. Yet I'm not alone for my father is with me. Notice he doesn't say, you jerks will leave me all alone. Or of course you're going to leave. He just says, yeah, you'll leave me alone. But I'm not alone for my father is with me. I've told you these things so that in me, listen to these lines, you will have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. There's, there's, a, beautiful, there's a beautiful couple of words here, right? So here's, here's he saying, like, look, you're going to scatter. You, you think you're all courageous. You're not. You're like the cowardly lion. You're going to do well until you actually get to Oz. And then it's going to be terrifying. And you're going to scatter. And you're going to forget that I've given you a heart. And you know what? Acknowledge that and let it give you peace. Isn't that interesting, right? Let it give you peace and let it allow you to take heart. That that is part of the journey. Somehow there's, there's a way, you know, as, as I'm thinking about that, you know, there's a way that that, that kind of spins our whole idea of worry. Right? When we just get these flaws of life and we get that Jesus looks at that and he says, like, look, I, I get it. And this is what I want you to get. I think this is what Jesus would say. Like, have peace. Take heart. Maybe in our modern language we might say this. We might imagine Jesus saying this. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Now let's take a look at one particular individual where we see this story really come true. And that's, that's the story of, of Peter. And Peter's one of the 12 who follows Jesus. And he's sort of the, when you look at the narrative of the story, he's one of the most fascinating characters because talked about, talk about flawed heroes. This guy's got it in spades. So, so there's a part of the, the, the New Testament where Jesus is talking to Peter and and he's, he's sort of telling him what a good guy he is and all this that, and everything. And he, he points to him and he goes, upon this rock, and he's pointing at Peter, upon this rock, I will build my church. Now just imagine that line. Imagine that line. Like, you got it, dude. And everything I'm going to build, this is Jesus talking, right? The guy who's like turning water into wine, he's doing all these miracles. And he's like, you get it. And everything in the future is going to be built around you. I mean, talk about a little bit of like, hmm. A little bit of, a little bit of a, an ego trip right there, right? Now, of course, Jesus couches that very quickly in very different language. But just imagine being in that place, right? That, you know? So it's the question, well, what's that rock? Well, it's not the rock we may see it because, as we may see it, because we see with Peter's life so, so, so different in the Easter story, I, I take you further into the story now in a, in a beautiful, beautiful part of the story 
And to me, one of the most poignant ones, and I remember actually we've, we've reenacted this as part of New Church Live before. And it's a story of when Jesus is arrested. For those of you who aren't aware of the Easter story, Jesus is arrested, and, and that happens on what's called Good Friday, goes through a trial, is executed later on Good Friday. Trial was Thursday, Friday, I should say. And, and, but, but when he was arrested, there's, there's this really powerful scene when he's arrested by Roman soldiers before being put on trial and executed. And, and Jesus is out in the woods, and, and he's, he's praying, and he's there with his followers. And, and the, you know, this, you set yourself in the context of it, in the context of they're in the woods, and they can hear these people coming. And imagine at night how terrifying that would be, and you got torches, and you got the clinking of, of swords on armor, it would, it would be absolutely terrifying. And then they come and they surround Jesus and, and, and Peter grabs a sword and he, he slaps at somebody and he cuts off, cuts off this guy's ear. And what does Jesus do there? Well, what he does he pulls the ear, puts it back on, and heals the servant. Here's, heals the man who had his ear lopped off. You think about Peter in that moment, and you think about, you know, I just, I mean, put yourself for a second in Peter's shoes, right? Get said again and again, this is just sort of theology 101. There are sins of commission and sins of omission. There are sins around the things we do, and then there's sins around the things we don't do. Folks, have you ever completely lost your you know what? <laughs> completely lost your mind in anger? Yes. Yep. I bet you we all have, right? Completely lost our mind. And lashed out in anger, and as those words came out of our mouth, or the sword came down, figuratively, hopefully, as the sword came down, it's like, no! It's like watching a glass fall in slow motion. And it breaks. And you realize you can never take that back, right? You can never take that back. I think that's what that's talking about here. And you, you think of the, the grief of Peter here, who's like, ah, I, I mean, I picture him, because this is a good guy upon this rock, I'll build my church. You know, realizing like, oh, what was, I, what was I thinking? What was I thinking? Powerful story. And then, and then Peter's journey goes on and Jesus is arrested. And as Jesus is, is uh, being tried, that's where we pick up this very famous part of the story. And, and, and Peter, is, Peter is, 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 is around this little campfire, and that's, that's where we pick up the story of Peter's denial. That's what this story is commonly called. Now, Peter was sitting out in the courtyard, and a servant girl came to him. You were also with Jesus in Galilee, she said. So, so just think of Peter sitting in this courtyard, and picture a courtyard at night, a little fire to keep people warm. And just imagine how terrified Peter would have been at that moment. Because he knows Jesus is being tried by the Romans. And pretty much, I would imagine, he knows exactly what the outcome of that trial is going to be. And he has been one of that man's followers. Imagine the terror you would experience around that fire. And when we get in that place of that deep fear, sometimes, yep, that deep fear, we lash out, we strike out, we grab a sword, hopefully just figuratively, and we strike. 
In other times, that's fight. And in other times, we do the exact opposite, flight. And that's what this story is about. Let's pick it back up. But Peter denied it before them all. I, didn't, I don't know what you're talking about, he said. Then he went out to the gateway where another girl saw him, said to the people there, this fellow was with Jesus of Nazareth. He denied it again, this time with an oath. I don't know this man. Second denial. After a little while, those standing there went up to Peter and said, surely you are one of them for your accent gives you away. In other words, like, you got an accent, dude. I know you've been hanging out with this guy because you come from the same part of the country that he did. Then he began to call down curses on himself and he swore to them, I don't know the man. Wow. Complete, complete flight. Complete flight. Immediately a rooster crowed. Then Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken. Before the rooster crows, you, Peter, will disown me three times. Jesus had prophesied that. And he went outside and he wept bitterly. I think, folks, that is so much the way our experience can be, right? We go back and forth and back and forth like that. And it's, it's not just around God, it's around each other. You know, were there times where you showed up with way too much anger? Were there those times? I bet you there were. And were there those times, even to this day, that it's like, boy, I didn't show up and I should have. I wish I had. I wish I'd had the courage of my convictions in that moment, and I didn't. I chickened out. See that, right? Imagine the grief of that. Doesn't it just sort of stir a grief in your heart? Because that's what we do. That's what the human condition does. And, and, and that going down, that, that descent, as we go into that deep grieving around that, and grieving around a lot of things. It's interesting the way some Christian churches to this day symbolize it. And I find this part of Easter really beautiful. What they do, take a picture here, what they do is literally... Literally, on Good Friday, they strip the altar of everything. They take everything. All the candles are off, the Bible's off, the cloths are off, the, everything is just stripped down. And I think, think that's such a beautiful symbol of what can happen in our lives is things just get completely stripped down. And, and the beautiful part of the, of the Easter story is, is we can kind of travel through it like Peter going, oh yeah, this is our human experience. Remember, it was Jesus' experience too. Stripped down, literally and figuratively. There are seven sayings from the cross in the New Testament. In other words, Jesus gets executed. For those of you who aren't aware, he got executed on a, on a cross that's called crucifixion. It was a long, painful way to die. Jesus, seven times, there's things recorded that he said from the cross, seven sayings from the cross. There's, there's some that are incredibly poignant and one in particular that's particularly painful. Where Jesus is there and he goes, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you forsaken me? That is a statement, I think, of the utmost despair. And I think the idea that God's there, right? That, that God goes there too, that that we go there, there's, there's part of that. And it's, it's not, I, I, think, I think these are being offered not to make us negative about life, 
but, but to have us have a richness around life, like a richness of the human experience, because how else can you serve? Folks, how can you serve if, if we don't get that? If we don't get that that's where people are sometimes, how can we serve? How can we help? I think we have to understand that. And not just understand it in like a light way, but understand it oftentimes is a lived experience that we've gone through ourselves, so we're able to offer something far different that moves us much closer to that horizon of joy. Moving towards that horizon of joy. And it's interesting, like thinking the horizon. Imagine seeing a beautiful horizon, seeing the sun. The sun's not quite up, but you're just starting to see some light playing off the clouds. And it's this beautiful admixture, this beautiful sharing of light and dark. You ever seen a sky like that? Isn't it spectacular? It's so beautiful. Because isn't it interesting in, in the human experience? I mean, just uh, chills even saying this, folks. Isn't it interesting in the human experience, in your experience? Because I, mean, I know I'm speaking for all of us here, at least I hope I am. But isn't it interesting, right? We, we watch that, and we just see that little, that little tiny spark of light. And, and we know, we know, that's much more true than all the darkness. The sky is 99% dark. We see this little bit of light. We're like, that's it. That's the joy. That's the place where we find fullness of joy. That's, that's what God is leading us to. That's what we are constantly called to. And that starts to move us in a certain way. I think I, I love this quote here, folks, from, from Juan Martel. Beautiful quote. Doubt is useful for a while. Doubt is useful for a while. And then he goes on to say, doubt is useful for a while. We all must pass through the Garden of Gethsemane. And that's where the story, Peter lopping off the guys here, that's where all that took place. <clears throat> if Christ played with doubt, <coughs> excuse me, so must we. If Christ spent an anguished night in prayer, if he burst from out from, he burst out from the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? then surely we are also permitted doubt. But we must move on. This is, this, I love this last line. I would take a screenshot of it and I would send it to other people. It's so good. To choose doubt as a philosophy of life is akin to choosing immobility as a means of transportation. It's a great line. So, so we don't choose actually to live in the grief. It's not, it doesn't, the journey can't stop there. It can't stop with that grief and that doubt. It will be there. And, and grief, folks, I, I don't know whether we ever shake it. I just want to say that. I feel like we learn to live with it. We just don't live in it anymore. Faith is trusting that. And we get those little glimmers. So, so as the, the band comes out for our next song here, just take time to think about that. You know how grief and doubt, how they, excuse me, how grief and joy, how they go together. Think of that interplay. That interplay that's all about this. It's all about a new dawn rising. I am a pilgrim 
traveling through this wearsome land. I got a home in that yonder city, good Lord, and it's not not made by hand. I got a brother, a sister, and a father who have gone this way before. I am determined to go and see them, good Lord, over all the other shores. Jordan, just to bathe my wearisome soul. If I could just touch the hem of his garment, good Lord, then I know he'd take me home. I am a pilgrim and a stranger traveling through. Wearsome land. I got a home in that yonder city, good Lord, and it's not not made by Hey, New Church Live, it's Angela. I just want to remind you all to make a donation to support this church that you all love. Uh, we rely on your generosity to support all the initiatives here, and we greatly appreciate any donation. And I also want to remind you that you can order Easter kits to be delivered to your house. They're free of charge, and they will be for our communion service that we're having on April 6th. So you can go to our website, you can order your Easter kit, and you can make a donation and all of your donations support things like our Easter kids and all the initiatives happening here over the Easter season. So we hope you'll consider making a donation. We hope you'll support the church and we hope you'll order an Easter kit today. Thank you, Angela. I, I should mention too with us folks, just a little public service announcement. We, we travel to different parts of the country to visit congregants there. And next week is part of the Easter holiday. Curtis will be here to do Palm Sunday. Curtis Childs will be here to do his wonderful message giver. And I will be down in Charleston. If any of you have friends or family or you're watching from Charleston, I know we have a number of folks who've already been emailing me. They're gonna be joining us. More than welcome to join us in Charleston next week for a little mini New Church Live as we do the big churches, New Church Live from here. So, so I wanna start folks, again, beautiful comments. And I, I just, again, I so appreciate that people take the time to comment both online on our online platforms as well as take the time to text me. And, and here's just a beautiful one. Uh, Churchill said, if you are going through hell, just keep going. <laughs> That's a good line and good, good reminder. Joy learning that after terrible grief, if you are open to it, there will be incredible joy. And another person who's, who's, has who's had quite a journey himself 
And just this last line, I love this line. There is no destination, only a journey through life and death, grief and joy. And I, I think that's true, right? We, we do just keep on moving. And that light that we just sense this little bit, I believe does become brighter to all eternity. And it doesn't mean, again, that the, the grief just is all gone. I don't think that's how it works. But I do think this to be very true. This is from Revelation 21, very last book of the books of the Bible. God, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. For the old order of things has passed away. So I want to, I want to talk about that. So, so I, I think in, in this life, as is put out there by a number of people, there's, there's really, and in, in this New Church Theology talks a lot about this, like how we really only learn one of two ways. Through great suffering or great love. And most of you have both. Most people here, you've had a time in your life of great suffering. And you've also had this experience of great love. In other words, grief and joy might be another way to hold it. It's interesting when we look at that and we look at this life and there's this, there's this dichotomy, this back and forth, suffering, great suffering, great love, great suffering, great love, great suffering, great love. These two going back and forth and back and forth. And, and does, that, does that shift when we get to heaven? Is that somehow different? Well, I want to share with you what a dear friend, a friend of the congregation, a person who's actually spoken from this stage, who's had a very hard journey of his own and a very blessed journey of his own, Brian Henderson, what he shared over dinner this week. I thought it was a beautiful perspective. We were talking about that whole learning in heaven, like how do we learn in heaven? How does that work? And Brian had an interesting perspective, and I like. And he, he said, yeah, this is how he reads Christian New Church ideas. He said, you know, in life, we're always learning from our mistakes. Anybody with a teenager knows, <laughs> knows the importance of learning from your mistakes. Right? We make mistakes. We do things well. We want to celebrate that. We make mistakes. Probably where we'll do most of our learning is around mistakes. And then we go on and, and our life goes on and, and we end up, you know, I end up in heaven and how do we learn from heaven? And, and here's an idea for you. We learn from love, not mistakes, that is heaven. We learn from love, not mistakes, that is heaven. And there's a nuance I want to throw into this because I think the nuance helps us to take this and go like, oh yeah, this is how this can work in this life. I don't believe at any point in time, to all eternity, we live mistake-free. I, I, I don't believe that. I mean, we're human beings. We're always going to be doing, you know, either sins of omission, sins of commission. We're always going to be, you know, wrestling some with anger. Very, very few people, I think, I can't imagine anyone, actually being a point where their whole life is nothing but labeled mistake-free zone. I just don't see that. And frankly, I don't want to hang out with a bunch of people who are living mistake-free lives. Like, what do I have in common with them? Right? How, how can we connect? But I do think there's wisdom in this. You know, Brian said, yeah, we don't learn from our mistakes anymore. What we learn from is love. Now, here's, here's, here's something for us all to think about. How could that, what could that mean? Well, I, I think 
we'll make mistakes through all of eternity. That's life. We don't do things perfect because none of us are God. But we learn from love. The love is what holds it all. Wait, folks, just listen to this. The love is what holds it all, not the mistake. The love is what holds it all, not the mistake. That's why Jesus kept on loving Peter. Folks, those are pretty big mistakes. You cut off a guy's ear and you deny that you know, you know, you know you deny that you know Jesus. Those are big mistakes. Jesus loved him the whole way through it. And it wasn't about like this shaming around, you are the mistake, you, you know, it's all about learning from the mistake. No, 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 no. I, th- I, think, I think Jesus was constantly living this message. No, you're here to learn from love. And yes, here's the mistake. Here's the thing you said or you did that you should not have said and you should not have done. Clean it up. Be accountable. Do the things you need to do as best you can to set it right, if that's possible. And live from love. Live from love. Hold that mistake, hold that mistake very tenderly with love. I, I think that is so much of the way heaven works. And it's this reminder, this constant reminder that that we're again, we're we're never to hold heaven as then and there. Oh, won't that be great when we no longer have to learn from our mistakes where we're just learning from love, a love that can hold all the mistakes. No, folks, no, 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 no. As in heaven, so upon the earth. God, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. As in heaven, so upon the earth. Sense the freedom there. Just let this really feel in your body the freedom there. Because we're free then from making it all about mistakes and free to shifting it for a love that's able to hold it all. That's light. That's Easter. Hmm. And that's resurrection. That's life anew. Maybe this Easter season, we can simply choose that. We can choose to see it not as an ancient story, but to see it as our story. And to smile with joy, to hold the grief, and to always remember Life is good. Amen. What we're going to do now, friends, to close the service gently, is we're going to do a little, a little, just a little prayer. Then we're going to say the Our Father prayer. Again, you'll hear some of that same language about bringing it from here to here. And then we're going to do a blessing, and then we're going to have our last song, which will be a very fun last song. So please join me in prayer. Lord, thank you for bringing us together today, whether that is in person or online. Thank you, Lord, for allowing us to experience that beautiful interplay, that beautiful marriage of grief and joy, 
grief and joy, uh, these experiences, Lord, that in your economy are never wasted, never wasted, but somehow all hold us, that all help us, that all serve us, somehow. Help us, Lord, as we move into this Easter season to continue to learn more and more, not living in the mistakes, but acknowledging the mistakes, accountable for the mistakes, and continually living in love around all those mistakes, both the mistakes we make and the mistakes made by others. Allow love to be, in the end, what holds it all. Allow love to be the opening door that holds it all. Because that's the story of Easter. It's not a story of tragedy, though there is tragedy. It's not a story of grief, though there is grief. It's a story of joy, a joy in the end. It's all about love. Hear our prayer. Our Father, who art in the heavens, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so upon the earth. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you, bring you peace and bring you home. The words I have to say may well be simple, but they're true. Until you give your love, there's nothing more that we can do. say it's very hard to leave behind the life you knew but there's no other way it's really up to you love is 
is the key we must turn Truth is the flame we must burn Freedom the lesson we must learn Do you know what I mean? And have your eyes really seen? I have to say may well be simple but they're true until you give your love there's nothing more you can do love is the Have a good week.
Love was what we 